Christmas is not mainly a commemoration of the past. It's the inauguration of the future. It doesn't mainly celebrate one instance, one historical event. It calls us to a different kingdom life every day we live. It's not basically about the first responders, although we love to picture them in that setting. It's about you and I and what God still wants to do with our lives. You know, I was uh, thinking about this message and I, was, I, I just came up with this question. Just, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but is Christ any bigger in your life this year than he was last year? Is your faith any bigger in your life this year than it was last year? I heard the story about this little girl, Audrey. And uh, she had a, a tradition with her family. They would go out and see the Christmas displays every year. And it was beautiful. And, and Becky and I do that. We walk through our neighborhood. And, and you always run into a number of nativity sets. And, 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 and so Audrey was getting to the place where she was a very sharp young girl. And she was starting to think things through. And uh, so they got home. And the grandmother said, well, Audrey, how'd you like it? And she said, well, it was very pretty. Very pretty. But she said, something is starting to bother me. And she said, what is it? She says, is baby Jesus ever going to grow up? He's the same size this year as he was last year. I, I got to ask you, is baby Jesus ever going to grow up to us? Because you see, I've been telling you that God made you for a purpose. He didn't make a mistake when he made you. He was very intentional when he made you. What is the larger progress toward that for which he made you? in your life. That's what Christmas is about. It's, it's, it's not about what we already know. I mean, what we already know is great. What God did for us, awesome. But it can't stand in the way of what he has yet for us. I'm reading a book right now uh, recommended to me by my eldest son. Um, it's called Never Split the Difference. It's about negotiation. It was written by this guy who negotiates for hostages and the strategy that goes into that. It's a very interesting book. There's a principle in that book. The book teaches you to look for the unexpected. And, and many of you are facing a Christmas time this year where you're in circumstances you never expected. And, 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 and you may look back and say, well, I should have seen this coming. Or you may look back and said, I had no clue. Nobody would have known. But the point is, you're in a surprise situation right now, and you don't know, quite know how to navigate this Christmas time, because it's very different than anything you've ever been through. Well, the principle in this book says this, let what you know guide you, but never let it blind you to what you don't know. Let me paraphrase that for us. You ought to be glad about what you have done in your life that's constructive. But you ought to never rest in that or let it blind you in what yet there is to do to reach the fulfillment for God's plan for your life. You know God has a plan for your life, don't you? Or you wouldn't be here. Some of you should be dead right now. You know, seriously. Seriously, you go, I, there's no reason I'm still here. Some of you should be dead. Well, yes, there is a reason you're still here. 
God's not done with you yet. So as we look at the story, let's just look a few of the elements so that we can kind of go into the future and, 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 and make progress. First of all, we need to understand that Mary's event was not an isolated event in history, it was prophesied. And Mary found herself not living just unto her own life, but in God's plan. Do you remember when she found out that she was pregnant? This is a little unwed teenage girl, um, and, and, and she's, she's curious. She's very bright intellectually, and she said, how's this going to be? I've never been with a man. And, and, and the angel Gabriel said, well, it's a Holy Spirit thing. He's going to come over and going to overshadow you. And, and, and so she goes, well, okay. Whatever, be it done to me uh, according to your word. But in that talk, remember how he said, you know, your kinswoman, Elizabeth, you know the old one? Way too old to have children. Six months pregnant. With, with, and we know this, who this is with is with John the Baptist. And so, and so she takes off. And, and she enters the house and she speaks. And some of you who have been pregnant know this feeling. Most of us will never. But it's like, so, sometimes a baby just starts going crazy. You know, just, I mean, and that's what Mary's voice and boom, John the Baptist just stands up and, you know, inside. And, and Elizabeth says, how is it the mother, my Lord comes to visit me? Blessed art thou and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then she says something very telling in verse, uh, in Luke chapter one, verse 45, this is what she says. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. You see, there was a prophecy. Do you realize every one of you has a prophecy spoken in you by the Lord? God knit you together in your mother's womb. That's what the Bible says. All your days were ordained when there was not yet as one of them, which is Bible speak for God's got a plan for your life. Aren't you a little bit curious as to what that plan is? And to what, what, how you fulfill the prophecy that has been spoken over your life? Well, here's a few things to remember. First of all, if God began a thing, Philippians 1, 6, he's going to finish it. He, he, he's going he's to he's empower you to finish it. Um, um, I, there's an old guy who used to sit over here, Ralph Folds. He, he was 90 years old when he, when he went to be with the Lord. One of the most interesting characters I've ever known. Some of you remember Ralph. He served in the French Foreign Legion in World War II. And boy, did this guy have stories. He was just, and he was brilliant. He was a brilliant man. I was in a Bible study with him one time, and he said something I never forgot. He said, you know, I'm a recovering accountant. <laughs> he did. And he said, he said I, I, you know, I, I can't look at a balance sheet, you know, and not, I, I mean, if it's on one side, it's got to show up on the other side. Or I can't rest until it shows up on the other side. You realize God has an account for you. On the one side, that's all of the potential he's given you, all of the gifts he's given you, all of the relationships he's given you. That's on one side. Aren't you a little bit driven to see how it comes out on the other side? That's what God has for us. Blessed is she who believed in the fulfillment of that which was prophesied. Now, what do you got to do to get there? Well, just a few things. 
Well, not just a few things. You got to do a few things consistently. We got to be trained. I'm going to, I'm going to come up with that for just a minute, but let's stick with Mary for just a little while. It says in Luke chapter two, verse 19. Now, first let, let me set this up for you. Mary and Joseph in the manger, all right? And then the shepherds show up. And the shepherds speak the words that have been told to them about this child. And the Bible says, all who heard it wondered. They were amazed and they wondered. In other words, I have no idea what's going on. Now, even though it had been prophesied, they weren't aware of the prophecy. The prophesying said, you aren't aware of, of all that's in you, that God put in you for your purpose in this world. And so they were a little bit confused. They were amazed and they wondered. What was Mary's reaction? This is what it says in Luke 2, 19. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary didn't feel the need to come up with an immediate, easy, religious platitude answer. She kept thinking, okay, all right, what's the deal here? Do you, ever, do you ever wonder what she was thinking? I've, I've done, I've done some, some thinking about this myself. And, and, and to me, there was at least three things maybe that she was beginning to discover. Maybe this is just projection, I don't know. But this is, this is kind of what I come up with. First of all, I think she must have been thinking, maybe I'm not as unworthy to be used by God as I thought I was. You know, none of us feel worthy to be used by God. If God's got a mission, somebody else can do it better than I can. Surely you can come, come up with somebody more qualified than I am. That's our first thought. Can you imagine what a little teenage unwed mother thought when she, was, she found out she was going to be the mother of God? You, you talk about, holy cow, underqualified. But yet, that's what God chose to use. And so you got to kind of get over that part of it. Where you say, okay, I, I'm not worthy. Let's just start there. You know, when we um, when the, went down to the, the Seminole um, uh, Correctional Facility and these girls volunteered to, to lead us in the, in the lighting of our Advent candle. And, and the crew that went down there said, they were so nervous. I mean, they were so nervous. And I'm, and I'm thinking, well, you know, most people are nervous when they're on camera, but then I thought, no, they've got to be thinking to themselves, you understand I'm incarcerated, right? And I'm leading an entire church in the holy lighting of an Advent candle? Yeah, exactly. That's how God works. He doesn't wait for us to be worthy. He doesn't wait for us to be qualified. He doesn't wait for us to get in the right place. He calls on us. That's how it works. You know, we're a church, we're a non-denominational church, but really we're a church of a lot of different denominational backgrounds. And, 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 and you know, all the way from Catholic to Pentecostal and everything in between. My own background is Methodist. And the founder of the Methodist faith kind of got kicked out of the institutional church. He was a little bit too, you know, passion oriented and he got, got himself kicked out of the institutional church. So, he started another form of the distributed church. And that's where you don't expect people to come into a building, you go to them. And that's, and that's, what, and that's what he did. And, and he sent out these lay ministers. They were lay preachers. In other words, they didn't go to seminary. Nobody ordained them. They just went. 
and they went to the coal mines because nobody wanted to deal with coal miners. They worked seven days a week, they, you know, and, and so they went down there. And, and this, I remember this story about this one pastor that goes down, and, or, or lay preacher, and, and, and these guys are coming out and they're just black from, 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 from soot. I mean, it's just, and, and, and he goes up to one of them and says, hey, I'm the new, I'm, I'm the new church minister. I'm pastor so-and-so, reaches out his hand. Well, the guy just shrunk back. He said, I can't, I can't shake your hand. Look how dirty I am. Well, this lay minister just got down and buried his hand in coal dust. Just skirt, until it was totally black and then stood up and said, how about now? You realize that's what God did to come to us, right? I mean, Nothing changed on the inside, but he became just like we are. That's, that's the point. God will use you just like you are. That's the whole point. And so Mary had to say, well, you know, I don't, still don't think I'm qualified, but evidently this is the plan of God, so this is what he's going to use. Second thing I think may have been going through her mind was there's a, there was a there had to be a gladness. I mean, as overwhelmed as she was. Have you ever been to a point in your life where you just go, you know, I have no idea what's going on, no idea how to deal with it. I'm just kind of glad to be here. Uh, I'm glad to be here tonight. I'm glad, I'm glad to be here. I spent all my life in over my head, places I shouldn't be. But in a way, I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to be in the middle of this thing. Mary is a new mother holding that child, even though she didn't understand everything that was going on. Had to be glad to be there. I, I had a dream one time. I don't, I don't dream very much. At least I don't remember my dreams. But this was one of those scary ones, and it kind of scared the bejeebers out of me. And, and, and it was all about this really huge, I mean, like eight and a half foot tall guy. I mean, like, like Goliath guy, real mean guy. By the way, most guys dream about women. I dream about height. There's something. <laughs> I think I need counseling with somebody. But I, I must have an issue. But, but he was like, he was real mean, you know. I remember this. And, and he had a gun and he was shooting. And I somehow got the gun away from him. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I tried to shoot him so that he would stop shooting people and bullets were just bouncing off and he noticed where the bullets were coming from they were coming from me and he just turned and was running after me and he almost got me and I woke up sweating and just straight I was just glad to be there you ever had one of those just glad to be there you know sometimes people ask me what heaven's going to be like I think I don't know but I think you'll just be glad to be there won't you and, and, and so there's got to be a, a place in your life where you don't have to know what's going on exactly or even what to do exactly. You're just glad to be there. There's this sense that God is somehow in the middle of this thing, and that's what you count on. Not the circumstances, not your understanding, but that God's in the middle. And then there was the third element. I just have, just trying to imagine what she was thinking when she looked at that baby. And it's probably kind of what we think when we look at babies. Man, I hope you can make this world better than it is. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to wait for that. I'm going to try to make it a little bit better for you because I'd rather you have a better world because I did something responsible. What is 
the point of why we're still here. Well, Jesus told us plainly that we would make the earth more like heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What exactly does that mean? Well, this is what it at least means. It at least means the most precious and wonderful things on earth would become more common because they'll be very common in heaven. Wouldn't you like to live in a world where kindness is common? I mean, it's, it's not unusual. Right now, it's really unusual to be treated with kindness, especially if, if you're dealing with people who are different than you are. Wouldn't you like to live in a world? Don't you know in, in heaven, kindness is common? <laughs> and like unto it, grace, common, common. Can I tell you a story? I heard, uh, this is a, some people get this story and some people don't. You kind of got to know uh, Revelation 21, 21 to, to really get it, but let me, let me try it. There was a story about this really rich guy and he loved money. He loved his money. But he's smart enough to know you can't buy your way into heaven. You can't even behave your way into heaven. Nobody is ever good enough to get into heaven. And that goes for your grandmother too. I mean, all of us had grandmothers. You mean my grandmother? No. All have fallen short of the glory of God. That's what it says. So you can't earn your way into heaven. That's why we need a savior. Because we need he who hasn't sinned and paid for our sins because God is just. If God is just, we can't get in. Only it can be given to us in a system of justice. And so because Jesus died to pay for our sins, then we accept that as a gift. It's called grace, unmerited favor. So this guy was smart enough that, he, he, you know, he wanted that. He knew it was a gift. And so he accepted that gift. But he still had this love of money. So one day after he was saved, he, he was praying to God. He said, God, you know, I just like a favor. He said, I'd like, when I come to heaven, I'd like to bring a little bit of, of my worldly wealth. And God said, why? You don't need it. You can't spend it up here. It doesn't do you any good. He said, I know, but I like it. And it's just, it would be fun for me. Do you mind? And God finally said, well, all right, if it means something to you. Well, years later, the guy dies. You know, how, you know the scenario. He goes to the pearly gates. St. Peter's there. He says, what's your name? And he tells him his name. and looks in the Lamb's Book of Life. He says, sure enough, you're here. He said, what are you doing with the suitcase? The guy says, look in here. So St. Peter goes over. And he opens up the suitcase, and there's bars and bars of gold bullion. And the guy looks at St. Peter and said, what do you think of that? And St. Peter said, well, I guess it's fine, but why in the world would you want to bring street pavement with you? <laughs> you know, okay. The point is that which is valuable down here will be common up there. Why do we have to wait till we get up there. Love is so rare down here. Why? Respect is so rare down here. Why? Cutting people some slack is so rare down here. Why? Because that's part of our mission. 
That's who Jesus, that's the kingdom Jesus inaugurated. That's who he is, and that's who he is in our life. So here's the last part of this. And, and, and uh, let me see if I can get through this quickly. There's a part of Scripture. Scripture urges us to look for a new heaven and a new earth. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 13, could you flash that up? 2 Peter 3.13, yeah it is. But according to his promise, this is part of his prophecy over us. According to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So that's, that's why we're here. We're looking for that. Now, what's it going to take to get there? That's the big question. The last part of this story I want to share with you tonight is the verse that comes right after Mary pondered all these things, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. This is what it says about the shepherds. This is Luke 2.20. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Now I got a question. God didn't put them into professional ministry. God didn't send them to seminary. They went right back to their regular life, which is why you are where you are. That's where your ministry is, in your regular life just like you are with the relationships you already have. But I got a question. They went back glorifying God. Here's my question. How long did that last? How long was it before it began to fade? How long was it before the accumulation of daily problems began to subtract that wonder from them, what they had seen? How long before their passion faded. Let me ask you, how long after this service will you remember what God has done for us? How long after an encounter with God does it last? Let me tell you what I think the normal answer is. Not very long. Unless we are trained to develop what we have discovered unless we are trained to develop what we have discovered. In 2017, that's going to be exactly what we're offering you. We need to be trained for the kingdom of God. You're members of the kingdom of God, and all of us, or most of us, have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. But the point is this. How do you live that out? How do you live in this world seeing things like he sees them, doing things like he would do them, because he's now living in us. So we're gonna have this series. You know, we're not, it's gonna, not gonna be a church program. You don't have to come here. You don't have to sign up for anything. We'll just give you the materials. And, and the materials will look something like this. And, and learn to think like Jesus. Make 2,000 years a year of spiritual growth. Seeing the kingdom, all right? Seeing like the kingdom. Okay, take that down. And let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your willingness to be trained to look at the world through God's eyes. Most of the people, most, most everybody look through, looks at the world through cultural eyes because that's what we see. That's what we look through every day. Every time we turn on the TV, we're being trained to look at the world through cultural eyes. And so we become cultural Christians. But what if we had training to look at it with spirit eyes? 
I, I, I went with a few of you to memorial service um, this past week, memorializing and reading the names of all of the homeless people that have died in our community in the last year. It was a sobering service. Community leaders were there, the mayor, the police chief, we knew the most of their names. And as they were read, every, every person got up and, and lit a candle. It was a sobering service. And I sat there and I wondered, I wonder if this will be the same next year and the year after that and the year after that. See, I don't believe God wants us to live in a community where people die forgotten. I believe people are too important for that. And neither do I believe it's going to improve on its own because the world can't improve the world. Only believe this if people are trained to have the compassion of Christ and to think like God. I think faith people are the answer. But it has to be more than just a good temporary sentiment. Let me close with this. I heard a story about this lady who wanted to give her friends, she had about, I don't know, a dozen friends who she really loved and and, um, and she was a single lady, and so she had some discretionary funds, and so she just wanted to buy all of them a gift, you know? I mean, a, a, a meaningful gift. But work got heavier, and, and disruptions came through life, and she didn't get around to it. Long story short, it was right like today, before Christmas, and she knew she wasn't going to get done. So, so she rushed out to the store to at least get everyone a card. You know, and she found these, this beautiful, these beautiful cards and it had a nice scripture verse in it. And, and so she wrote in it, boy, I love you. And I think about you constantly, devotedly yours. And she signed her name. And she did that, you know, I don't know, a dozen times or however many friends she had. And she stuffed them quick in an envelope and then delivered to each friend. And, and, uh, and she thought, well, at least, you know, I told them how I feel. A couple of months later, when she was cleaning up from Christmas, <laughs> sometimes it takes us a couple of months to get there, she picked up one of those cards and she was horrified to discover it wasn't a bifold, it was a trifold. And the page after the scripture said this, this little card is just to say your actual gift is on its way. God is expecting more from us than sentiment. Is your actual gift on its way? Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this part of the Christmas story that's really ours. Help us to go beyond mere wonder, to go beyond mere celebration and commemoration, to go beyond an event that happened in the past and to walk with your insight and your heart into a future, making the world different like Jesus would have it. We ask you to take these verses and apply them to our minds that we might not grow shallow and apply them to our hearts that we might not grow cold and apply them to our feet that we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen.